I just started reading Obama's book and I'm loving it, first of all. It's so good. Uh, but there's a part, I'm still at the beginning, and there's a part where he talks about uh, this amazing comeback that he has in one of the debates during his elections. And it made me think about this past 2020 election and Senator Elizabeth Warren had this incredible comeback to a somewhat sexist question or ageist question that a moderator had. And it was that if she were nominated, she would be the oldest president ever nominated. And she clapped back with, I would be the youngest woman ever nominated. Yes, exactly. Thank you. Mic drop. Happy International Women's Day. Hi, friends. My name is Nadine. And my name is Thadini. And welcome to You Know What I Mean. No, I actually think that that's, that story so perfectly encapsulates why there's a need for an International Women's Day. Um, I think women's voices and intersectional women's voices are so largely missing in like every facet of our community and every like societal institution. Um, and that's almost never not necessarily seen as a, a wrong thing. Like, I think that's why like the patriarchy exists. Um, but you know, if we don't have women's voices in something at, that's supposed to be as like unanimous and magnanimous as politics and the idea that politics applies to everybody regardless of anything um, at such a like deep level, if we don't have women's voices at that level, like how do we even begin to address women's very specific needs and the ways that they're being failed by like society? Hundred percent. I was, um, but by the time that this episode comes out, it would have been past uh, International mm-hmm. Women's Day. But we're recording yeah. it on on the Monday, and I was thinking about it today. And um, I know you and I were talking that, like, I don't remember a time in my childhood where I I really celebrated International Women's Day, and I thought that this was something yeah. that was recent. Um, but when I looked it up, it was actually it was officially made a, a a a celebration by the UN in 1975 which for what it is it was quite a long time ago but i mean says a lot that like it i yeah i it says a lot that it wasn't <laughs> celebrated as widely as it is now um and the need for it but but i think we also talked about how um I think it has to do with social media. Like actually when I first saw it, I thought that it was like something that was like deemed by like social media, like to be International Women's Day. Cause you know how they like kind of will make up, not make up days, but like they'll just declare a day, the day of yeah. something. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So I actually thought that it had, it, it was done through that. Yeah, no, I, I actually thought that it was the exact same thing. Like you see the random, like, I, I hate that I'm giving this example, but like, literally national hot dog day like what the fuck yeah I thought that that was what it was no but this like dates (laughs) (laughs) this dates like 
back to the early 1900s. And apparently um, in the U.S., it was designated in honor of like this uh, garment worker strike in 1908 in New York City. And then uh, the United Nations officially made it a day in 1975. So there's like a lot of history behind it. Um, I know that when I look back and I like reflect on this day, what sits with me the most are uh, the female friendships that I have. I think that really sits heavy, not heavy, but like I definitely feel the weight of it and the the gratitude that I have for it. Like I am so thankful for the women in my life. You know, I grew up, I grew up in, a, in a, a, a mostly women-led family. Like there was the four of us, me, my two sisters, my mom, and then my dad. So, you know, he grew up in a group of girls. And so I've always been surrounded by strong-minded women and, um, yeah, I, I, I feel like every time this day comes around, I'm always reflecting on how much those relationships mean to me and, and pave my life. Thank Absolutely. So and I think, no, <laughs> no, but it's, it's true. Like, I think hearing you talk, like there's two things. One, um, the fact that this day came about um, garment workers striking, like, has anything changed? It's been at least a hundred years, if not more since then. And women are still at the forefront of, um, lower paid jobs and have to deal with, I mean, like people always like love to just fall back on, um, the wage gap, which obviously is very real, um, and impacts women from different races, um, differently. But that in and of itself, the fact that we are talking about that even 100 years later and the fact that women are still having to work front frontline jobs, like we talk about yeah. COVID a lot. We talk about who is bearing the facing the brunt of that, bearing the brunt of, of what COVID has done. And it's it's women because they are at the front line of, like you said, in your household, it's it's woman led mine as well. Um it's like all of that falls on women. But the other thing too is having so many women in your life, like I think you really realize the, it goes hand in hand with what I was saying, but like truly just like the ways in which women shape lives. Like I think there, you know, you can talk about like the gender roles that have been created for women versus for men. Um, But the idea of like supporting, uplifting, being nurturing, being empathetic, being emotionally intelligent, being aware, um, like that, the gravity of that is, is so much. Like, I really think people who don't have friendships with women in their lives, and I mean that in terms of women in the most like trans, like transcending way, it, it, like you feel it, you definitely feel it. Like, I think not having like even just me, like the amount of things that I talk to my female friendships about, but, um, I think it's so vast, like the need for this day and just the general, um, like what this day represents or what this day means. Yeah. Trini and I, um, were laughing earlier because our podcast has just gone through so much growth and, (laughs) identity crises (laughs) and identity crisis behind the scene but when we 
initially thought of the idea, one of the concepts that we sort of like pitch to ourselves in terms of like what we would offer and what is already a very saturated market is the perspective of two non-Western women in the media space. And especially because we felt like as two non-Western women, we didn't hear uh, a lot of the similar perspective. And so when we were talking about this episode, that just came back to me in terms of like, how do we how do we take space within today's culture in terms of like the workplace? Um, you know, I think about like relationships, like you were just talking about emotional labor. That's always something that we love to talk about. Freaking love languages. Like we're going to drop another episode on love languages. <laughs> like, oh, Literally. I'm not doing this again. I'm like, I can't, I wanted to scrap the first one. I can't do another one. <laughs> And just we'll never never say never, but never like never. not for a while, not for a while. Um, I, I I just feel like this day is always it has to do with like reflection, and I always think about like my identity and you know, like as a Middle Eastern woman who is Muslim, but like passes off as white. You know, how can I show up for myself, but then for other people within my community? Like this is this isn't really a question, but more so like a thought, but do you know what I mean? Like it's like a guiding, it's like a guiding principle. It's not like you wake up in the morning and you're like, Hey Nadine, what are we going to do today? Like, but it's more just like a guiding, like light for lack of a better way that guides your decisions or guides where you might go. Exactly. It guides what you might say and, and how you say. So it, I, I feel like that's something that, um, like we were talking about the social media aspect of it that I feel like uh, this day could do a lot, not more of, but like it, it comes very useful in in terms of like exploring the different experiences that every woman um, lives in and has because like you said, it's, it's all intersectional. Absolutely. Um, yeah, and I think that, you know, what's great about like having social media is that you are able to like disseminate information so quickly and you're it's like it has such a wide reach which is why I think having International Women's Day on social media is so great because it really does kind of infiltrate all like the different barriers that that Mm -hmm. might be there um, otherwise but it also isn't lost on me the ways that one it allow then it like social media allows these things to be cap like capitalized on or marketed on um and at the same and and then the same way where people just start posting and it's like very tokenistic like it's it's just like a token post of like happy international women's day but it's like what are you doing what are you doing that is like supporting women or helping women and I think sometimes people get like really I don't know what the word is, but like dissuaded, I guess, because they're like, well, what am I going to do in my life that's going to help women everywhere? And it becomes like this big, this big, like looming thing where you're like, like, what am I going to do? But I think, you know, supporting women, as I like previously mentioned, there is a space to do that in, in everything you do every single day. Um, and being able to like first acknowledge that and then make change, um, whether that's in like the woman you speak to, whether that's 
in the women that you interact with or that's in like social media space or out in, in your career, um, even the media that you consume or the things that you watch, the music you listen to, the TV you watch, you really have so much power. And like, I feel like I preach about all this, about this all the time where I'm like, as a consumer, you have so much power, but like you really do. And so what a better time. Mm -hmm. There's no better time to like enact that change or like make that change. Yeah. I'm like laughing because I'm, you're like, what are you doing outside of social media? Like, how are you supporting other women? But I, but I know something that like I'm guilty of and I, other people are guilty of is like talking shit about other women. And so okay. I, I, yes, you go, because I know we have different opinions on this. So you go. And I was, I, I was just thinking about how that's like, I'm not supporting other women when I'm talking shit about them. You know what I mean? Yeah. I but think, here I'm preaching the good yeah. word of God. I'm like, but we need to support our sisters. You know what I mean? I do. But I think it's, I think it's different because there's like two things. Absolutely. Tearing women down for the sake of tearing people down or um, as a form of like like projection because you feel insecure. I mean, Nadine and I love to talk about people feeling insecure. It's like our go-to. Um, it's our like go-to diagnosis too when someone's like asking. To anything. We're like, that person's insecure. Um, no, but it's true. Like insecurity really makes you act in some wild ways. And so, you know, if you are putting other people down, specifically women, um, because of your insecurity, that's one thing in and of itself and definitely something you need to address. If you're putting women down, or really anybody, but specifically women down because of the, of the way that they're perceived. Like, you know, there's the trope of like an, an angry black woman. Yeah. Um, when women are very assertive at work or they're very, um, they like really take ownership. Um, they are, they're like written off as being bossy. Um, if somebody's passionate, they're written off as being emotional. And so really understanding the ways in which, where you're coming from, is very likely influenced by inter internalized misogyny, whether you're a man or a woman who's doing that to another woman. But I think the time, I think the part where it gets murky is you don't like, just because you're a woman, it doesn't mean you have to support every woman, no matter what they do. Yeah. And I think you can, so there's two things like the first one is you can absolutely call out when women are doing something wrong. That's why there is like the idea of what white feminism is because white feminism is um, started by white women and for mm -hmm. white women. And there's that's why that like breeds the need for an intersectional feminism um, because the experiences that racialized women or trans women face is very different. And the intersection of if you're a racialized trans woman is, is even more different. Yeah. Um, and so it's, I think it's totally okay to call people out when they, when women are doing you, it's okay to call out other women when they aren't, when they're like doing something under the guise of feminism, or they're doing something under the guise of, of, of whatever that might be. And just because you're a woman, you don't have to agree with something that every woman does. And that in itself is internalized misogyny, because yeah. then you're taking on the trope of like always having to be like proper and nice and, and like never questioning. Um, and then 
the other thing in terms of like just talking shit where you're like, oh, this person did something stupid. This woman did something stupid. I think is, I think when you're doing it in like a closed manner, it just doesn't have the same weight as one, if you were to do it in like a public manner and two, if you were a man doing it. And that's yeah. literally just because of the way that the powers, um, that the structures of power and systems of power are set up in society where you as a woman can say something and it just does not hold as much weight. And I'm not saying that to excuse it, but but it just doesn't hold the same type of weight as if you were, if one, you have say class privilege and you're saying it at work or two, you're a white woman saying it and you are saying it in, in like a very public place. Yeah. I, I, I feel better now. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Not that I'm like, go talk shit about everybody. And like, obviously if you're like, I, I obviously know that you're not, um, being like a shitty friend and just talking shit about all of your friends and you're like no it's not a podcast that's not right and I know no it's not even to you I know you would never no it's it's so funny because uh for first like it's definitely not I'm like my female friendships like they just sit they sit so close to me on international women's day that I'm talking about talking shit just to clarify it's not I'm not talking shit about my friends um no (laughs) <laughs> and you're allowed to have opinions and be like, oh, that's that's weird that this person did this. Yeah. Just because true. they're because they're another woman. But but that's exactly it. Like it's such a that like that's not where things like I don't know if murky is the word I want to use, but yes, your point. Like that's exactly what it is. Where it's like, but women like us chicas need to stick together, like sisters for life, but like you don't owe like you don't owe anyone anything and like that shouldn't hold you back from calling people out for things that are like valid you know what I mean like just yeah you're women I think that that, in and of it yeah sorry you go no I think we were going to say that say the same thing which is like I think that is just that's like when we talk about uh feminism and we talk about you know women equality or just equality for all like that's that's part of that too in terms of like the playing field you know we're all on an equal playing field Yeah. And I think too, like, it's like kind of what I said before, but like women, unfortunately don't need to be worried about what other women are saying about them. That's just another ploy. That's like by the, like, I hate that I say this because it sounds so intense, but it's like, it truly is just another ploy, like by the patriarchy to be like, oh, but women talk about other women. Why can't men talk about other women? But it's like, or talk shit about women or whatever. And it's, it's truly because of the power that they hold. Like we don't need to be concerned with what other women are saying about you. And there's, and if you feel threatened by another woman, it again is, is likely due to internalized misogyny where mm-hmm. men have created this system where you feel like, okay, if you're a woman in power, like there's not enough space to go. There's not enough power for right. it to go around or there's not enough space for it to go around. But, but there is just look at how many men there are around you. Yes. Okay. I read this like staggering stat, which is that, um, I I actually, I'm going to pull it up. I am going to pull it up. Um, 32 out of the Fortune 500 CEOs are women. That's 6%. Like when we talk about like women having a seat on the table, that is, that's 6%. That's not even like 10%. That's not even a spot. That's not even a spot at the table. But that's, but that's exactly. That's that's like, let me pull up a chair from like the, the meeting room and you can just sit in the corner. 
Yeah, exactly. And I think it's such a shame because <laughs> you're underserving. You're you're underserving a huge population first and foremost. And two, there are very clear statistics and there's very clear qualitative and quantitative analysis done that shows that when you empower women, because of this, the roles that women hold in society, you actually empower an entire community. Um, I know you have like specific stats about um, economic growth that co- communities and countries face when their women are educated. Yeah, so exactly. There was a stat that said that um, when countries invest in education for women and girls, they not only see economic growth, but economic growth at a faster rate. So um, there's this organization called the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development, where 34 countries fall underneath that. And they identified that an increase in education for women and girls accounted for 50%, 50 50% of their economic growth over the last 50 years. And that's exactly what you're saying. Like when you empower women, you empower an entire community. And when you invest in people, that is audit, like that is directly going to give you a positive output. Like here's my econ degree, right? Yeah. For you. Um, when we talk about, uh, <laughs> not to get into this, but like the impact of capitalism. And if you were to take that money that's being thrown to the top of the the ladder and you distribute it amongst everyone and you actually invest in people, you will see economic growth. And you will see economic growth, again, at a faster rate if you just invest in people versus corporations. And invest in women specifically. Yeah, exactly. No, absolutely. And I think it largely has to do with the fact that women do take up the lower wage jobs in, in society. And, and that's another way to disenfranchise women um, and sort of keep them unempowered. I mean, I feel like women are, are should feel empowered at whatever level they are, but it's truly like a systemic way to keep, to keep women disenfranchised. Um, and I, I, I don't like, I think what's interesting is and I don't know this, but like the idea of where, of how this started, like, I don't know. And, and that's definitely not something that we have to go into now, but I just want to know with everything that women do, whether that be unpaid labor in terms of household labor, what like taking care of your family, providing, you know, it's, it's not, um, it's not not known, it's not unknown that the responsibility of taking care of a house, of providing for their family in terms of food, of um, housekeeping, house like t- caretaking of the house is a rule that falls on women. And that in and of itself is unpaid labor. So that in addition to everything that we do in terms of emotional labor for specifically the men in our lives across the board, whether it's- men that are insecure say louder for the people in the back no but it's true um and then the work that we have to do in a career where we're getting paid less than than men in in similar or equal um positions I just want to know like who where did this come from like how did this start and I I don't I don't even know if you can like trace it back because I think it's so deeply entrenched and so deeply ingrained in um our history and our society 
that it would be, that it's so hard to like untangle that. But I really do wonder what it was that made people continue to disenfranchise women and for what, because truly the empowerment of women and the betterment of women is something that, um, positively impacts every single person that they come in contact with. And it's, it's actually astounding because men don't do that. Like I was talking to somebody and, and they were telling me about how they watched this comedy special. I don't remember who it was by, but he was basically, I think it was, I actually don't know. So I'm not going to like say someone's name and then have it be wrong, but it was, um, it was a comedian and he was like, can you imagine if men had to give birth? Like it would be like a whole, like, it would be like, it would basically be like uh, commentated on like sports are commentated on where they're like, and going in for the win, like what I don't fucking don't watch sports. I don't fucking know how they commentate sports, but like, but you know what I mean? Like just the same level of like astound, astounding, like, Oh my God, how can you do this? And I was like, that's actually not funny. It's like, it's actually not funny because the expectation on women really is to like give birth and get going. Like that's what, like, yeah. and if you think yeah. about why there is unpaid maternity leave, the fact that that's still a thing around the world or the fact that you do take a pay decrease in Canada as well. If you, um, extend it, go on, go on maternity leave. Well, if you like not all companies top up, so you automatically go on like quote unemployment. And so you automatically take a pay cut. And then if you extend it, yeah, it's a, it's a, like a further reduction. Um, and the fact that women menstruate, the fact that they have their period, period poverty is like such a real thing in all parts of the world. I think people like to think about it specifically in developing countries, but it's very much a thing in quote developed countries as well. Um, and that like the fact that you get paid less coupled with the increased um, cost of living because of the pink tax, it's it, like, it's so, it just like infiltrates every single system. And I think there's no better need. There's no, there's no like group of people. There's nothing that needs a day more than international women's day because our level of output in regards to our level of the input we're getting is, is a, what's the return on investment there? Like a million percent, I'm just throwing it out there. One of the things that I was thinking about as I'm talking about like the disenfranchisement of women, but like a very contemporary issue, which I don't know why. I don't know why I like. I, I randomly thought. I randomly thought about this, but talking about, um, you know, women having children, women um, bearing the brunt of like literally every societal inequality. Um, the I think the most outrageous and the most um, like futile one is of how you need to look. Yes. Yes. And I think it's so deeply ingrained in every woman, no matter like trans woman, no matter regardless of your race, like, and obviously it varies by race. Um, yeah. Because in, you know, coupled with unrealistic beauty standards is the idea that they're unrealistic specifically, or even more so for racialized women, because they're largely centered around European beauty ideals. Yeah. 
but just the idea that you have to be thin, um, you have to be your body, like the way that your body changes when you go through pregnancy, you have to continue to look a certain way. You have to continue to, um, maintain a certain body type or body standard. And I think I read a statistic that was something like women, not women, sorry, children. Um, it's like 70% of children before the age of nine have, have gone through at least two different types of diets. So whether, so whether it's like, whatever that might look like, but, um, specifically for the, the specifically for losing weight. So not just because I'm allergic to peanuts. So I need to stop eating peanuts, like specifically with the result of losing weight. And so it's, it's terrifying because, you know, we talk about social media so much, but like, it's bombarded us with images of what quote women are supposed to look like. Um, it's very hard to like take that away, but even in that, like the society has found a way to disenfranchise women. So when you look on social media and you look at, you know, quote, Instagram models, I have not met one person who has not at some point in their, in their, in their timeline of being on social media, made fun of women for posting pictures in a bikini or posting pictures online but will continue to follow those, those women and think that there's a difference Mm -hmm. in following somebody, following a quote, Instagram model or whoever who posts more like risque or more revealing pictures versus getting an OnlyFans. Like, I think the, I think that there's like such a rise of OnlyFans. I don't know if you've seen this on, um, like over the pandemic. And I think it was the call her daddy podcast, which was like, if you get an OnlyFans, you're a slut. And I was like, shut the fuck up. I literally was like, like, what the fuck are you talking about? First of all, what the hell is your podcast about? Like, and I think that what that is a perfect example of women bringing down women, but like the disenfranchisement of women, like continues at such a deep level because you think you want to consume that content. You just want to be able to do it for free. So the moment that women start making money off of it, oh, all of a sudden it's wrong. But you continue to follow those people on social media. You continue to to engage with engage with that type of content through porn. Yeah. But the minute that you have to like empower somebody by paying for it, oh, all of a sudden OnlyFans is so bad. And why the fuck would you get an OnlyFans? I think the the debate around OnlyFans is so interesting because like I tie it closely to the debate that you and I had about women who post sexualized photos on Instagram and mm-hmm. um, use it as a way to like claim their sexuality or take back their sexuality. But like you and I are, are like, I, I can't remember what our exact debate on it was, but it was like, is it really for yourself? Like, mm-hmm. what is the intent of the photo? Do you know what I mean? Do yeah, I do. And I totally do. And I think after I had that conversation was, after we had that conversation yeah. was when I went back and was like, was thinking about this, that even if you post it for other people, like, this is what I'm trying to say. Society and media will sexualize women regardless at yeah. any age, no matter what. So whether you post it for yourself, whether you post it for somebody else is totally up for debate. Um, and you can, you can like 
that's like a controversy in itself. Like I remember Billie Eilish was like, the reason that I dress like this is because I want people to focus on my music and not be sexualized. But yeah. why should somebody have to decide, like, if you are as talented as, as Billie Eilish is like, wh- like no man ever thinks like, oh, how am I going to dress so that people focus on my music Yeah, versus how I look? But then if you, but if you are going to be sexualized either way, then why not make money off of it? Make it beneficial for yourself. You 100%, know? 100%. But I, I know what you're saying. Yeah. But I think what I was actually thinking about with OnlyFans is that I know that there's now a rise in, in Instagram influencers or even like celebrities who are going on OnlyFans and are actually oversaturating the market for people who are on there and are actual sex workers who use it as a way to earn their income. So I think of like what happened with Bella Thorne, for example. Did Mm -hmm. you hear about this? How she went on and she was like, uh, she was charging like an arm and a leg for, for her posts. Um, and it wouldn't end up being anything, but the controversy was that like, because she has a high name ID, she was taking everyone from these, uh, these other uh, sex worker profiles and they were all going to her. And so I feel like, like the, the conversation on OnlyFans, like we can even like have an, our own episode on it. Yeah. But I think it's so interesting when it comes to like, when we speak about how we make space for women and how women share those spaces and, it, and, and OnlyFans is like the perfect example. No, I think that's such a good point. Like, absolutely like I think that's such a good point and also goes to show like the like why intersectionality is as important as it is when we talk about international women's day or really anything that has to do with women because Bella Thorne is has class status she has privilege she's white like she you know is famous so like that is privilege in and of itself um and we know that a lot of the times people who are famous, like didn't just get that. I mean, more often than not, didn't just get that way because it just so happened. Like they, their parents are very wealthy. They know somebody in the industry. So yeah, exactly. As a white woman, that's exactly the point. Like, and you said it, like the way that women create space for more marginalized voices and absolutely like sex work is real work. And so we should be creating space for that in society. Yeah. I feel like we like we would be remiss without bringing this up but we can't talk about international women's day without mentioning the oprah interview with Meghan markle and prince harry i was freaking tuned in i was tuned in like to the max and it was it was it was very heartbreaking um not surprising but just heartbreaking to hear about her story and the lack of support that she got from the institution as she called it and I think what's especially you know important to talk about especially on International Women's Day is the way that the British tabloid tabloids uh, would talk about Meghan Markle versus her sister-in-law who was Duchess Catherine or exactly Kate Middleton I don't know why I gave her like I don't know why I went by her like super formal serious name. Like I like bow down to the British royalty. I just watched the crown. I'm a big fan. Um, but 
do you know like do you know what I mean like they were to there was a there was a part in the interview where Oprah was comparing um (laughs) I laugh because it's like it's so ridiculous but she was comparing headlines on Kate versus Megan and one of them was on like literally an avocado and uh one of them for so for Kate it was like oh Kate has an avocado blah 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 whatever but for Megan they tied her Kate has an avocado what do you mean I'm gonna pull up this exact uh headline it was literally Kate has an avocado like she's about to make some guacamole yeah I'm not joking (laughs) what no, people are people are wild. Tabloids are wild. Like literally, I'm like, how are you still in business? But okay. <laughs> well, the reason they're still in business is because they yeah. work with the royal family. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. This is what it is. Um, so Kate and William. Prince William was given one of the green fruit wrapped in a bow by a little boy whose mother is suffering during her pregnancy, too. He said he'd take it to Kate and see what happens and said, good luck for the boys, mummy. This was on about an avocado. Uh, Meghan Markle. The pregnant Duchess of Sussex and so-called avocado on toast whisperer is wolfing down a fruit linked to water shortages, illegal deforestation, and all-round general environmental devastation. They fully tied this avocado dead to like the end of the world. They were like, "This caused coronavirus." Is she? So she fully was like, "That is a loaded piece of toast." <laughs> like I'm just trying but, to. Live. But literally, the reason why they are that way towards her is because she's black. A hundred percent. She's a racialized woman. Absolutely. And, and she, um, that's like that's a big part of the interview. It's on like you know the 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 difference in treatment that she received because she was a black woman and just like she was this outsider that came into the royal family but um you know it wasn't even given the respect that you would think her name would give her like having a title in her name so it was it was very glaring and uh yes yeah but it and exactly and I think it like brings up First of all, that whole interview was, I mean, I didn't watch it, but I like read the highlights after and it was wild because um, it truly goes to show the way that every societal institution comes together to vilify a black woman, a racialized woman. And if it's happening at that level where you're right, having that type of a title can't even protect you from it, like imagine the outward racism that women feel racialized women in specific black women in specific um that they face and deal with on an everyday level but it also it's like a larger theme of the ways in which everything that happens affect women or have an impact on women in like a more severe way so like whether it's eating a freaking avocado toast (laughs) Or the way that they cover how um, the things that Meghan Markle did, the fact that she was an actress, they're like everybody now was like, she's acting, she's acting. Like what a what a poor performance um, when they like when she went on the opera opera Oprah show. Um, but also like it's just so scary. But like this whole narrative is also goes to show how people don't realize, like I read a comment about um, 
that was underneath an article and it was like the same people who believe Meghan Markle are the same people who elected Trump and the clown emoji. And I was like, you really don't realize that the it's the same systems in power that disenfranchise and vilify Meghan Markle that elected Trump. It's not yeah. an inverse relationship. It's actually the same relation. It's like it's a positive relationship between the two. Yeah. Um, for lack of a better word, because it's certainly not positive. But um, but yeah, and and you think of of how their life has been has been impacted. But then you think about women everywhere whose lives are women's lives that are impacted more by things like climate change or coronavirus or um yeah. Any societal issue impacts women more than it impacts males. Um, and people just continue not to do anything about it and continue to the fact that Trump was even elected for us. I mean, we can I know both of us, but especially you can go on forever about this. But just the fact that he was even elected, like you might as well just wear a shirt that says I hate women. <laughs> but I think that was like the shocking part too. Um, like when we think about Trump and we think about this, like society really like this lead lead in society that's making all these decisions that lead to someone like Trump being elected um they too are compromised of women and like when we talk about uh like we were saying how like even women have internalized misogyny that's a perfect example um there's this uh if you watch the daily show with trevor noah he has this guy that he used to like send out to the trump rallies and would ask the trump supporters like very basic questions on Mm -hmm. like trump's policies or some of the things that he was saying and um one of the rallies he asked about this like he asked about the time where trump said that he likes to grab women by the pussy Mm -hmm. First of all, I cannot, like, don't even get me started. I don't even know what the hell to say about that. But people were, people were, (laughs) I'm like falling short for words, but they were not only in support of it, but they were echoing what he was saying. And they were echoing that rhetoric. And women were echoing it as well. Like, I remember one woman being like, I would let him. And so it, <laughs> it's like frightening. It's so like actually frightening. It's a very concerning place to be, to be honest. Like it's 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 concerning because to your point, it's not like these people popped out of nowhere and they're like, oh, we're here. What's yeah. good? They've been it's been brewing, and That's- the same people, uh, th- like to your point there's just a positive relationship with like what we're seeing with this with this interview now with Meghan Markle and like what we're hearing about the discrimination that she faced as a black woman in the in the royal house so like it's just all tied together and it's very it it doesn't sit well no and yeah you're exactly right and like you know absolutely we talk about say the Trump presidency like absolutely that impacted men I mean I'm sure there were many men who were against Trump, but his presidency, as much of like as much as I'd like to forget that time in history, um, his presidency more adversely impacted and affected women than it did men. And that's just an example of of how 
current events and current things that happen in the world, whether it has to do with climate change, whether it has to do with education, whether it has to do with healthcare, whether it has to do with policy around all of those things, most impact women. And, and, you know, kind of is like a full circle moment because if you don't have women at the table having these conversations and women who are already in those positions, making space for other racialized or women with intersectional identities, making space for them to bring their voice, their perspective, their lived experience to the table to shape policy, to shape further change. Like how will that, like, how can you possibly ever have that change? Like you, you won't. You were asking about where, um, like the marginalization of women began. And I, I honestly think it dates back to like uh, religion and when religion was mm-hmm. created. And it, it's hard to say because I'm trying to build, you know, a, a, a better foundation and a better relationship with my religion. But I remember having this conversation with my mom that when I was reading, you know, the Quran, Mm-hmm. It was, uh, I I felt like as a woman, I was being excluded from the text that I was reading. And it was really hard for me to build that relationship with God and build that foundation if, if I, because I felt like I wasn't being seen as, as a person, you know? And I feel like that really set the precedence. And, and like, you see that in across all religions, at least like, I would Absolutely. think like the westernized religions. Absolutely. Women are not, they're secondary. And uh, I think that that's just grown even more so over time. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think what makes it so hard with religious texts is that it's all up for interpretation and it happens in Hinduism as well. I mean, I think it's a little different because in Hinduism, there's gods and goddesses and both do definitely play a part um, in, in the religion, I mean, as a whole. But absolutely, there are stories and there are instances where it's very, like, very detrimental towards women and and what womanhood means of being a virginity and purity. Um, and yeah, no, absolutely. And I think what I was going to say, what makes it so hard is that the way in which religion is interpreted. And I mean, that's a whole conversation that we can, like all of these things are conversations that we can like blow up and have in in its entirety, which really just goes to show the pervasive need for International Women's Day and the fact that it can be relevant in every single facet of society, whether it was a hundred years ago, whether it's 500 years ago or whether it's today and a hundred years from now, which hopefully things have gotten better. But the thing was specifically about religion is that it's all about interpretation and it's, and so when you interpret text and you interpret these things and, and sometimes in such a literal way, the actual message or meaning behind it kind of gets lost, but you're right. It's so hard as a woman reading these things. Um, you're like, what, well, what is that exactly saying? I remember we had that conversation too. When we were recording the religion episode. Yeah. No, it's true. Like there's this story in Hinduism where like one of the main gods, um, his wife gets kidnapped um, and 
when he saves her again the idea that women have to be saved but when he saves her um he's like you to prove that you're pure as in she's a virgin um or has remained a virgin um do they burn her she has to yeah she has to jump into fire and if she and if she comes back um if she comes back like alive um then it means that she's pure. But if she burns, then <laughs> then that means that she wasn't pure. And then she does it. And that's like one version of the story where she does it. But that's that's like truly like, like I mean, we can talk. I mean, I, I, I'm like a little cautious about talking about specifically ways in which women are um, are portrayed in Eastern society because I think that it paints this narrative that – that it's worse for women in Eastern societies than it is in Western yeah. societies. And that truly is not the case. It's just, um, it's, it's just different. And and sometimes it's, it's the same, like the idea of catcalling, rape, sexual abuse, sexual assault, assault in the workplace. Like those are, those like transcend <laughs> land boundaries um, and land borders. Um, so I, I, I like caution. I like, I always use caution, but one of the things that, um, women had to do in India and South Asia in specific is if their husband passed away in Hinduism, you're burned at the pyre um, when, when you pass away and they would be burned with them because the idea was that your husband has passed like, it, it like roots back to this story that I'm like not going to bother repeating, but yeah, like to show your purity and your devotion to your husband, it's that wow. he has passed away. So now so do you. And so they would literally have to drug women so that they wouldn't know that they were going to be, that they were being burned alive. Wow. Literally. Um, no, it's, it's, it's very scary, but then like there's an equal disenfranchisement of women in, in, in the Western world where, you know, where people like this is something that used to happen a lot when porn and Pornhub first started but people men who were bankers would recognize women who um were prostitutes or sex workers and would deny them bank loans but continue to watch their porn <laughs> but deny them bank loans because they were making money from porn um so like truly the disenfranchisement of women is like so widespread it continues it's regardless of race ethnicity creed religion anything and certainly transcends borders of east versus east versus west yeah makes me think about mia khalifa um i was watching rami and she made a guest appearance funny enough or a cameo sorry um lindsay lohan was supposed to make that cameo and she Mm -hmm. never showed up on set and so they ended up contacting mia khalifa instead and i'm so happy that they got her because she's iconic like she's like just absolutely iconic. like beyond iconic like she killing. fights for like all possible right yeah talk about making space and holding people accountable a hundred percent a hundred percent so she was saying how like um she would get death threats yeah and uh and 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 her basically like uh rape threats and just like all the t- different types of threats from middle eastern men yeah but that they were the ones who clicked on her videos the most exactly no exactly yeah and even like shocking to me 
Yeah. And that goes back to the conversation of like OnlyFans or what I just said about like bankers and women getting loans if they were sex workers. But it just like, it's so pervasive and entrenched, even in the language that we use. Like yeah. even when we're swearing at somebody, we're insulting their mother, son of a bitch, motherfucker. Like you're insulting the female in their life. You're not yes. even fucking insulting them. Yeah. Um, and then, and, and then that goes on or, or bitch. Like it's just so deeply entrenched. And it, it transcends across all languages. Like and I know in exactly. Arabic, it's the same thing. Like we say like, exactly. fuck your mom. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's true. And and then it also like talking about language is the way like, you know, one of the things that we wanted to talk about is we've talked a lot about influencer influencer culture, but then the flip side of how people expect influencers, um, how they consume the content of influencers. But one of the things largely is how people communicate with women versus men online and how if they don't agree with men, they're like, fuck this guy, he's an idiot. But with women, it's like, I'm going to rape you. It's like, I hope you get raped and you die. Like, that's, like, the the threats are, like, specifically oh to their sexual, like, liberate, like, whatever, their sexual experiences, whatever you want to call it. Um, Or, like, this woman deserves to be raped. Like, or the fact that Trump was, like, grab them by the pussy. Like, exactly. Like, it's, it's, like it truly is just so pervasive yeah. through every single thing which is why then it also makes it easier though as consumers living in today's digital world to make a change and to put your money where your mouth is you put up a post on instagram for international women's day okay consume media by women support women in whatever it is that you do your career your passion project your hobby yeah senator warren you would be the oldest president ever inaugurated i'd like you to weigh in as well uh i'd also be the youngest woman ever inaugurated